Section twenty two of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Bidolph by Francis Sheridan. Volume two continued. You know, Bidolph, I am not naturally morose, and that I am not very apt to be wanting in that complacence which all women expect, and which I really think due to almost all women. But this one had in the preceding scene so entirely thrown off her sex that i could hardly consider her as a female i had known many of her ill qualities before but though she now discovered though they did not show her more wicked certainly rendered her more disgustful to me than the others in short i found that all decorum was to be laid aside i had gone too far not to put the finishing hand to my work and I had no other measure to observe but to finish by dint of force what I had begun by stratagem. When I mentioned the nunnery to you in a former letter, it was in a mere gaiety of heart. I had no serious thoughts of that kind, nor did I now propose it as a practicable scheme. I knew the woman too well to suppose she would acquiesce, though to confess the truth to you honestly, I think if she refuses my other plan of accommodation, I must compel her to accept of this, nor ought it be considered in any other light than that of confining a wild beast, who, having already done a great deal of mischief, would still do more if left at liberty. But I think I shall not be driven to this. I believe she will accept of a husband with a good settlement sooner than resign her liberty and now who do you think the husband is whom i have under contemplation for her why no less a man than my valet de chambre monsieur pivet he is young and handsome of good parts and a man of birth he tells me he has an uncle that is a marquis and three or four cousins that are in high court of parliament without a joke the fellow is of a pretty good family he was bred a mercer, and in a frolic had run away from his business when I picked him up at Paris, at the time you and I were there together. He then told me that he only hired with me for an opportunity of seeing a little of the world, and that he would one time or other sit down and settle to his trade. I have sounded him on the point in hand, and find him very ready to accept of the lady with all her faults. I told you I had introduced him to Mrs. Gerard to serve as her interpreter in the house at the time when I was ill. I did not then tell her who he was, and both she and her maid take him for no other than an acquaintance of mine who happens to lodge in the same house with us. The vain rogue has encouraged this opinion, and I suppose passes for a very pretty fellow with them, for you know Pivet is a beau, and is really not ungenteel but do not fancy that I intend to impose him on the lady for any other than what he really is. All disguise is now laid aside, and I shall proceed with the utmost plainness and sincerity, as soon as I know the lady's mind in regard to her choice. Here, my dear Sir George, I must take breath a little. It has been a busy day. I undertook a difficult voyage without the certainty of a landing-place a few storms i expected to encounter i hope i have weathered the worst and have come at length to some prospect of a harbour i expect my next greeting to you will be from a fairer shore 
upon second thoughts i will not send this off till i can put both you and myself out of the reach of suspense congratulate me sir george honour me as the first of politicians the greatest of negotiators let no hero of romance compare himself to me for first making difficulties and then extricating himself out of them let no giant pretend to equal me in the management of captive beauties in enchanted castles let no necromancer presume to view with me in skill for metamorphosing tigresses into doves and changing imperious princesses into plain country nymphs all this have i brought to pass without the assistance of enchanted sword or dwarf in the compass of a few days but take the circumstances in the order they occurred i left the lady as i told you to utter her complaints to her confidant rachel a simple girl who had just sense enough to regard her own interest she was not likely to give her mistress much consolation for she was at least as much my friend as hers how they passed the night i know not for my own part i slept in perfect tranquillity i desired pive in the morning to go and inquire as from himself how the lady rested mrs gerard who was still in bed no sooner heard his voice in the outer room as he was speaking to her maid than she called out to monsieur pivet and desired he would be so good as to step into her chamber pivet not much abashed at being admitted to a lady's ruelle obeyed her summons and placed himself in an arm-chair by her he said he hoped it was not owing to illness that he saw her in bed yes sir said she i am exceedingly ill i have not slept the whole night and am now in a high fever has mr falkland told you anything in relation to me i had prepared pivet and he had his answers ready madame said he i am not a stranger to your situation and am exceedingly sorry for it i wish the little influence i have over mr falkland could be employed for your service he is a positive man very enterprising and not to be controlled by anybody do you know my story sir cried mrs gerard he bowed and looked down mrs gerard understanding this as an affirmative and raising herself up a little cried out a base ungenerous man does he intend to expose me wherever he goes by no means madame answered pivet there is nothing in your story that would do you the least injury in anybody's opinion here the ladies in france do not think it any disgrace to have lovers you are very obliging sir she replied and perhaps i have as much to say in my vindication as any woman but sure never was mortal used in the barbarous manner i am do you know the proposal he had the insolence to make me last night either to take a husband of his choosing any low fellow i suppose he thinks good enough for me or immediately to go into a nunnery oh sir and she catched hold of his hand as you are a gentleman if you have compassion any humanity towards an unfortunate woman try to deliver me out of his hands i have a pretty good sum of money in my possession contrive the means of my escape my gratitude to you shall be unbounded and she wrung his hand ah madame said pivet 
looking tenderly at her. "'I would it were in my power. I should think myself but too happy if it were possible for me to accomplish what you request. But I fear it will be impracticable. I declare to you, if I were at my own disposal, I would fly with you to the remotest part of the world. But I am a young man who have my fortune to make. I am under particular ties here, and have besides such obligations to Mr. Falkland, as makes it impossible for me, consistently with honour, to interfere in this business. Sir, said she eagerly, can't you write a letter for me, or furnish me with the means of informing my friends in England of my situation? Madame, said he, before Mr. Falkland permitted me the honour of seeing you, he engaged my solemn promise that I would not intermeddle in your affairs. Lord, what would become of me? What would you, sir, advise me to do? For, as for that wretch, meaning me, I am determined, if I can help it, not to suffer him to come near me. Tis a very nice point, madame. I really do not well know how to advise, but, to be sure, a nunnery is a choice not to be recommended to a lady of your youth and beauty, unless your inclinations lead you that way. Then, indeed, she interrupted him. Don't name it to me, sir, don't name it. I'm determined to keep out of that snare, if it be for nothing but an opportunity to be revenged on that tyrant. I would marry a beggar sooner than give up that hope. As for that, madame, said Peavey, I suppose Mr. Falkland will not be so ungenerous as to compel you to marry one beneath you. There are many young men of good families who would think themselves honoured by your acceptance of them. Your personal accomplishments alone are a sufficient recommendation, but Mr. Falkland mentioned to me the additional advantage of fortune. I dare answer for him. He will not think of bestowing you unworthily. I had charged Peavey not to go too far. He thought it time to break off the conversation, and rising up he told Mrs. Gerard he was going into my apartments, and desired to know if she would honour him with any commands. "'Sir,' said she, "'I shall only beg you will tell Mr. Falkland that I never can think of his proposal, that I am very ill, and beg to be left in quiet for a few days, but shall be very glad to see you whenever you are at leisure.' He bowed and left her, then came directly to me, and repeated the conversation he had had with her, word for word. "'I am glad,' said I, "'to find you are so much in her good graces. It will accelerate my plot. But we must not make you too cheap. If we manage discreetly, she may possibly think herself very well off to get you.' "'At present I stand pretty well with her, sir,' said Peavey. "'She does not suspect that I am your servant. "'I fear if she did, as the lady seems to have a high spirit, "'she would forbid me her presence.' "'I found Peavey had no mind to have this part of his situation explained. "'His vanity had been highly tickled at passing upon her for a gentleman and my friend.' He has, in obedience to my orders, spent much of his time with her during the few days that I have been too ill to see her. 
i had at my first introduction of him to her cautioned him against letting her know in what capacity he was with me i did not then give him reasons for this and he supposed they were no other than that finding it necessary to have him pretty much with her in her confinement i did not choose to alarm her pride by the knowledge of his station i did not hint at my design till the day before i had prevailed on her to write the letter to mr arnold Peavey did not at all disrelish the proposal he had not been blind to mrs gerard's charms he only seemed surprised at my being willing to part with her so soon for he had not the least conception of my reasons for carrying her off and very naturally concluded i was deeply engaged in an amour it was not difficult to guess his thoughts on this occasion peavey said i i must premise one thing to you i assure you there is not nor ever was any intrigue between mrs gerard and me i do not however pretend to vouch for her chastity it was no secret at v hall that she had occasioned an unhappy breach in mr arnold's family and that and that only as i have a most particular value and affection for that family was my motive to the carrying this lady away as i hope the disunion now the cause of it is removed will no longer subsist i find it necessary to provide for mrs gerard some way or other a good husband i would wish to bestow on her i do not yet know whether i shall be able to bring her into any measures but if she should be prevailed on to accept of you and i should make it worth your while to accept of her can you overlook the levity she has been guilty of and resolve to use her kindly he promised he would make the best husband in the universe i bid him not to be too sure of success as i did not yet know mrs gerard's mind and feared i should find it hard to bring her into terms adding that though i intended to threaten her i should be very unwilling to use compulsion but if she should happen to like him without suspecting my design i might accomplish my purpose with less reluctance on her side and much more satisfaction to myself the conversation he had just had with her elated him highly she had made him her confidant she had implored his assistance she had promised an unbounded gratitude she had prohibited my visits and invited his all this facilitated my work and i at one time thought of letting her even work out her fate and run blindfold into my trap for it is plain if peavey had given into it she would have marched off with him and even married him to get out of my clutches and then you know she could have blamed nobody but herself for the consequences but i resolved not to impose on the gypsy any further but let her know what she was to expect before the bargain was concluded and at least give her the option of having the power of continuing a jilt or being canonized for a saint i found things were now likely to take such a turn as i wished but it still required management peavey said i you must let her see you no more to-day it will make her prize your company the more keep out of the way that you may not be seen by rachel and give such orders in the house as there may be proper attendance for the lady 
one of my footmen spoke a little french and he had been directed to receive and communicate mistress rachel's orders in the family though peevey assured me he thought mrs gerard was not so ill as she said she was i yet thought it incumbent on me to have the advice of a physician the people with whom i lodged said i could not have a better than the doctor who had attended me as he was reckoned very skilful i told them in the present case i believed honesty was more requisite than skill they said he was very honest too so i desired he might be sent for mrs gerard being determined to carry on the farce of sickness pretended she was not able to rise and the doctor was introduced to her bedside as he could neither understand his patient nor make himself understood by her i had ordered the footman whom i mentioned to you before as knowing a little french to wait at the chamber door for i was resolved so far to keep up my resentment and my importance as not to vouchsafe assisting at the conference which by this means became the most ridiculous scene you can imagine the doctor having felt mrs gerard's pulse proposed his questions by the footman who just peeped his nose in at the door he explained them very ill i suppose to rachel in english who repeated them to her lady within her curtains for she would not suffer them to be drawn back mrs gerard's answers travelled the same roundabout way back to the doctor who got them mangled in very bad french from his interpreter mrs gerard provoked i believe at the doctor's visit and very much tired of his questions asked peevishly where monsieur peevey was this inquiry i expected and the fellow who told me of it had been ordered to inform her that monsieur peevey was not at home the doctor after leaving his patient came to me and confirmed the character i had received of him both for skill in his profession and integrity in his practice for he told me very honestly that he thought the lady was in perfect health i thought the doctor deserved a double fee and accordingly gave it to him requesting him however to continue his visits for i told him that though the lady might really be very well she was however a little vapourish i left her to her reflections the whole day rachel inquired three or four times of the footman if mr peevey was come in but was always answered in the negative i was pleased at her solicitude about him i desired him to wait on her the next day at the time the doctor paid his visit and instructed peevey to ask the doctor in her presence what he thought of her case and to report his answer fairly to her for i was resolved not to let her imagine that she imposed on me the doctor by peevey's means discoursed with her more readily than he had done the day before peevey asked his opinion of her disorder and the physician declared it as freely as he had done to me adding he should not have repeated his visit if i had not insisted on it peevey could not help smiling mrs gerard observed it for i suppose she watched his countenance and asked him what the doctor had said he says madame what gives me a great deal of pleasure which is that your disorder is entirely imaginary he is an ignorant fellow said mrs gerard and you may tell him i desire to see him no more 
the poor doctor who knew not what she said made her half a dozen scrapes and then withdrew she then threw back her curtain and reassuming the subject she had been upon the day before with pivet asked him if he had had any conversation with me about her and what resolution i had come to pivet who had begged i would leave this conference entirely to his management seemed to hesitate a little and appeared melancholy we have had some talk about you madame said he and mr falkland tells me if you reject the nunnery scheme which i think he seems to be fondest of that he has a person in his thoughts who he believes will be a suitable match for you if you are willing to accept of him if not here he stopped what if i should not sir pray speak i hope madam he will not carry matters to an extremity extremity sir do you think he can be brutal enough to force me into a nunnery are there no laws in france i hope he will not madame but i can't pretend to answer for him he is a strange man he seems out of temper too the doctor told him nothing ailed you he believes him and spoke harshly on the occasion and what said she is the match that he calls suitable one of his footmen perhaps or his barber pivet affected to look concerned he tells me madam he has cast his eyes on a young man well born and genteelly educated not contemptible in his personal accomplishments and one who he is sure will make you a fond and obliging husband pivet sighed deeply and cast his eyes languishingly on her you seem concerned sir said she do you know the person it is my doubts on that occasion madam that is the cause of my uneasiness pray explain yourself mr pivet madam i dare not he replied with great solemnity i will only assure you that whoever the person be whom mr falkland has not yet named to me i think him the happiest man in the world what can be this meaning asked mrs gerard for telling you so much and yet concealing the person's name he says he has not proposed it yet to the gentleman madam and as he tells me he can't in honour conceal any part of your story he is fearful i beg your pardon madam you will excuse me if i do not repeat his scruples on this occasion i understand you sir he supposes his friend will reject me some such insinuation he threw out madame said pivet i told him that he need only permit the gentleman to see you and if he then made any objection he must be the blindest and most insensible man alive he spoke this with a warmth that seemed highly pleasing to the lady she bowed and answered all men sir are not as generous as you but what did mr falkland say to this he only smiled and said he wished his friend might think as i did and that he would tell his name another time that in the meantime it would oblige him if my visits to you were less frequent inhuman monster said she 
would he debar me of the only satisfaction i have let me but live to get out of his hands if i can escape him by any means i will find ways to reckon with him for this be so good mr peevey to tell him that i am content to take the person he offers let him be who he will i expect nothing from him but insults therefore shall not be surprised if i see myself sacrificed to some despicable wretch but any anything is better than to be in the power of such a tyrant madame answered peevey you need not fear the being compelled to accept of an unworthy object mr falkland declares that if you should absolutely dislike the gentleman when you see him he will be far from constraining you to take him for your husband the other choice is still open to you and by what i can judge mr falkland seems to wish you would give that the preference i would die first cried mrs gerard the fool does he think i can be so entrapped no no the authority of a husband even of falkland's choosing cannot be such a bar to my revenge as the walls of a nunnery would be sir i think myself obliged to you and flatter myself you would have served me if you could i may yet have it in my power to make you a return for your kind intentions towards me i presume when mr falkland has disposed of his property you will then be absolved of your promise to him in regard to me and will still have charity enough to befriend an unfortunate woman she wept and peevey owned he was ready to do so too but constraining himself protested she should command his life and withdrew full of seeming uneasiness he told me what had passed between him and the lady and i could not help approving his management of this scene though the rogue had stretched beyond the truth but stratagems you know are allowable in love and a lover he was now become in good earnest he had taken care to alarm mrs gerard's apprehensions at every passage of access he had informed her that i had a husband for her in my thoughts and at the same time that he avoided the most distant hint of it being himself he engaged her favour by seeming to wish it were then he took care to insinuate at least a possibility of her being refused by the person designed for her and this he very naturally supposed would raise his own consequence with her in case any suspicion would fall on him of his being the intended husband he pretended i had taken umbrage at his visiting her still more to inflame her resentment against me and increase her impatience to deliver herself out of my hands at the same time he artfully hinted that he was not the man destined to be happy this as he saw already he was not unacceptable to her he thought would make him doubly welcome when she should find herself no worse off then the nunnery was mentioned in terrorum with broad hints of my resolution in short peevey played his part so cunningly that it had all the effect he could have wished and mrs gerard finding her spirit matched was obliged to surrender at discretion End of section twenty two